Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. So welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today we're lucky enough to have a repeat guest on, Dr. Matthew Kalady. Matt is our section chief of colorectal cancer in the department. He's the vice chairman of the department. He's also the church Bartolo chair in hereditary neoplasms for colorectal cancer. Matt does about everything that has to do in the CCF enterprise with colorectal cancer. Matt, welcome back to Butts and Guts. Great. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. So today, one of your hats that you wear is also directing the Sanford R. Weiss Center for Hereditary Colorectal Neoplasia. You got a lot on your plate. So let's just start there, Matt. Tell us a little bit, what is the Weiss Center and what does it involve? Sure. So the Weiss Center is a multidisciplinary team, meaning that there are a lot of different people involved from a lot of different medical and surgical specialties that cares for people with hereditary syndromes or hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes. That's a pretty broad topic. Just a step one, step back. There are people that unfortunately are born with predispositions to getting cancer. There are several known gene mutations that can be passed on from generation to generation and run in families. As we learn more and more about that, we figure out who these people are and how to treat them and manage them. And it takes a really big team to do that. So we've established this center to manage these people, identify the people, and try to prevent cancers from happening in them. How long has the Weiss Center been around, and and what is its goal and its mission? How did it come about? We've been managing hereditary colorectal cancer patients like this for about 30 or 40 years or so, back since the late 70s, early 80s. But the Weiss Center came into formal existence in uh, just over 10 years now, in November 2008. That was the vision of um, Dr. Church and Dr. Fazio, who, you know, Church is still practicing, and Dr. Fazio is our chairman, and everyone knows he's been, he was chairman for many, many years, and really made this department what it is today. And Dr. Jagelman, before Dr. Church, actually came over, kind of, I say, the birthplace of a lot of the hereditary syndromes, and, and learning about this stuff and managing it came from St. Mark's in London. And Dr. David Jagelman, who our registries are named after, we could talk about that a little bit later, came from St. Mark's and came over to Cleveland as a recruit from Dr. Fazio and, and Dr. Turnbull. And he worked with, with that group for some time. And then he kind of brought in Dr. Church, and Dr. Church took over from Jagelman after when Jagelman left. And then Church and Fazio have run that program since, and I've been lucky enough to learn under Dr. Church and kind of run things now. But back in, in 2008, Sanford Weiss, who was a physician himself, was a patient, and he had this vision to help us take care of these people and establish a center. So it was the vision of Dr. Church and Dr. Fazio to actually set up a center where we could do this. It takes it takes a lot of people, it takes a lot of effort and energy, um, and it takes education. There's a lot to it. So we need some money to, to fund that process. So Dr. Weiss was generous enough to leave something in his will uh, to support the center. So we established a center formally in 2008. And the goals and the missions of this center, you talked a little bit about hereditary uh, neoplasms, but Take me bigger. How, how many people are involved? Who, who all is, what multidisciplinary aspect of that, and how does this all come about? Sure. So we have a, a big team. I mean, the, I think the anchors of it are gastroenterology and colorectal surgery and genetic counselors. Um, it's also, though, very, very important than what we call nurse coordinators, who are kind of the patient liaisons and help schedule and make sure that everybody uh, sees all the people that they need. So when there's an issue or a question, they call one of our three nurse registry coordinators who are fantastic. That's Lisa LaGuardia and Margaret O'Malley who've been with us for at least 10 years. Uh, and Susan Militia just started as well. So those three have been really great in their foundation of everything we do. 
On other specialties, though, we have gynecology involved, we have urology involved, we have dermatology, general surgery to do some of the upper gut work for the stomach and, and small intestine and pancreas. Uh, also, actually, I'd remiss to say pathology is also important to that and, and radiology as well. So it's really, really a big group of people. We meet as a group every other week to go over cases and go over just the business of the Weiss Center and make sure that we're doing everything going forward. Um, another aspect of things, though, not just taking care of the patients and making sure they get everything they need is we do a lot of outreach in the community. Uh, we do a lot of events, try to educate people, uh, their families, make sure they know what tests they need to get. And the whole point of this is, you know, everyone's predisposed to getting cancer no matter what. The people with hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes are predisposed to getting a much higher rate of cancer, some of them 100% if they have certain gene mutations, uh, and they get it at a much earlier age. So the average age of colon cancers in the 60s and 70s, and in people in some of these syndromes, it could be in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. So they get cancer earlier, and they have a much higher chance of getting it. So trying to do things where you can do screening and prevent cancers from happening or intervene earlier before something bad happens is really one of the big missions of our, of our group. So let's start there first. So how common are the instances of hereditary colorectal cancer? Is this something that's common to you? If I'm sitting at home and I'm listening to the podcast, am I thinking, God, I had a cousin that had, uh, had, had colon cancer. Do, am I going to get it now? Do I got this hereditary colorectal cancer? No. So, so the most common hereditary colorectal cancer is something called Lynch syndrome. And that's about one in 300 people in the, in the country uh, will have that. So it's not really common, but it's not that rare either. Uh, within all of colorectal cancers, about 3 to 5% uh, of all colorectal cancers are within hereditary syndrome of some sort. So the vast majority of them just kind of spontaneous. So what causes this cancer to be passed down from a parent to a child? Basically, everybody has two copies of everything, and that includes like what makes your eye color, how tall you're going to be, your weight. All those things are semi-predetermined, and you get two copies. Everybody has one. So mom has two copies, dad has two copies, and then when you pass on to your children— Mom will give one copy, dad will give one copy. So if you have one of the copies that doesn't work, it's passed on to your children, then you get that. So everyone who has an affected parent, all of their children or offspring has a 50% chance of also having that same gene mutation. Why do certain diseases then manifest in some kids and they don't manifest in others? So again, some of it depends, so it's 50%. So if you have, and have say, you have a family of four kids, two of them on average are going to have it and two won't. So some of it is predisposing, just the fact that you have the gene or don't have the gene. And that's important to know, too, because if people think they're at risk or their family is definitely at risk because they have a syndrome, getting their children tested means that some of them won't have the gene, and then they have an, a life that's completely like anybody else, and they don't need all the advanced screenings. And also, as you might imagine, it's a source of stress that gets relieved not having that. Then people who do have the gene, though, as you kind of hinted at, they all manifest different ways sometimes. And that's a great kind of source of study right now is maybe what you eat, maybe what you breathe, what you drink, where you live. Some of, there are all these other kind of factors that weigh into it that modify what we call, we modify the phenotype and that it makes things maybe progress a little faster or slower. Is there a difference in the colorectal common, the hereditary cancer syndromes, where you need one or two genes in order to kind of have the disease? Yeah, so most of them are actually what we call autosomal dominant. So if you have one copy that doesn't work, then that's all you need to get the disease. What generally happens is everyone has two copies and a lot of these genes do function. So they repair any errors that are made, which are common. Every, you know, you and I, our genes are, our cells are turning over every day, thousands of times. And every time that that cell gets turned over, it has to make a new good copy. 
and errors get made all the time, but we also have systems in place that go back and fix those errors. A lot of these syndromes are related to you have the mutations in the genes or the things that don't work, or you don't have that error fixing gene. So if you have two good copies, that one copy works for a while, and then eventually that one burns out or doesn't work anymore, and that second one you don't have as a backup. So then when that one doesn't work, then you start getting cancers and get them at an earlier phase and, and more aggressive with things. There is one uh, particular syndrome called MYH-associated polyposis, or MAP, where you actually need two copies. of the, You need to inherit two copies, one bad from each parent, in order to manifest the disease. So that's called a recessive inherited pattern. So even if you're just a one carrier, you don't have the effect. So can you talk a little bit on a very 10,000-foot level about the types of hereditary colorectal cancers that we treat here at the Cleveland Clinic and the, in these high-risk clinics? Sure. So we kind of broadly characterize them as, as polyposis-based and non-polyposis-based. And polyps are kind of the precursors to cancer. So you have a normal-looking colon with a normal lining. And then when some of these cells become a little abnormal, they grow like little lumps or bumps, and they're called polyps. As the polyps progress, the polyps are the ones that then get more changes in them, and they become cancer. Some of these syndromes predispose what we call polyposis, meaning a lot of polyps. So it could be anywhere from 10 to 100 to thousands where like the entire colon is replaced with these polyps. So those are called polyposis patients. And the most common of that is something called FAP or familial adenomatous polyposis. So FAP is one. And then there's the MAP, which we talked about before. There's other kinds of polyps called juvenile polyps, um, hamartomas. So there's something called Pooch-Jager polyposis, juvenile polyposis syndrome. Uh, and P10 hamartoma syndrome or Cowden's. So those are all kind of fancy names, but kind of broadly polyp-based tumors or polyp-based syndromes and um, different types of polyps and different genes cause each of those things. On the non-polyp side, I mean, still people are predisposed to getting cancer, but they usually have only one or a few polyps and as opposed to having hundreds and thousands. So sometimes they're tougher to pick up. Because if you see someone who has a problem and you do a colonoscopy and you see 100 polyps, well, it's obvious that's not normal. And you say, well, these people need to get tested. On the other side, if you see someone who has one polyp, well, that may not, that doesn't hit you in the face that, oh, that's abnormal, unless they're younger or unless they have a family history. So one of the things that we really stress is that every time that you see a patient in any situation, find out does colon cancer run in their family. If they have anything else, that would be a red flag to kind of think maybe these people should be tested or looked at something more. Matt, we talk about colorectal cancer syndromes. So what other types of diseases or cancers run with these type of syndromes? Sure. So it really depends on what gene it is and what syndrome it is. But so, for instance, Lynch, as I said, is the most common. Lynch is one of the non-polyposis ones. Uh, the second, colorectal cancer is the most common. Second most common is uh, endometrial cancer, cancer of the uterus. You could have ovarian cancer. You could have uh, cancer of the bladder and urinary tract, cancers of the stomach, uh, the small bowel, even a pancreas and, and even brain in, in much rarer situations. They also get skin tumors sometimes. So there's a lot of different things that run, run with this. But the nice thing is that we know, depending on what gene you have and what syndrome you have, we know what you're predisposed to getting and we know what kind of screening you can do to try to prevent that. So one of the things you talked about earlier is the need to at least consider getting genetically tested. W what does that mean? How does one get genetically tested? And then the second question with that is, if I have a family member with polyps or a cancer, do I need to go off and get genetically tested? So that's a great point. Um, and I think prevention and knowledge is really, really important with this. Genetic testing, first of all, is it's a simple blood test. Right now, we can either test specifically for the gene that you think is involved. Right now, things are more and more going towards what we call gene panels, where we'll test maybe 30 genes at a time at one single panel. And that tells you 
all the different syndromes uh, that you might be predisposed for. And I'll tell you if you have any one of those things. And that's a blood test. I do recommend, though, that people who are going to get blood or genetic testing done get genetic counseling first, either by a, a certified genetic counselor, if you can, or at least a medical professional who can talk to you about what that means, because there's implications of having this for your life and for your family and everything else. And it's not something that you just do kind of off the cuff, because you have to understand what to do with the results of that. So get genetic testing. It's a blood test. It takes a couple of weeks to come back. Uh, you'll get a full report, and then you go over that report with your physician or your provider to kind of say what that means. If you have someone in your family you're concerned, I say talk to your doctor about that. Usually we try to test people who have some sort of presentation. So if you said, oh, my brother's got a lot of polyps, you'd encourage him to get tested first because he would be more likely to have something. If you're completely normal and you're just concerned because of the family, testing might not be as informative, uh, particularly if your brother doesn't have anything with that. One of the things you talked about before is this concept of registries. And when Dr. Jagelman brought over this concept of registries, what's a registry and what is its role? So a registry is essentially a big database. It's a collection of patients and helps us kind of follow the patients over time. Uh, we have thousands and thousands of people in our registry right now. Within the registry, we record what happens to that particular patient, meaning have, do they have polyps? What other cancers do they have? What's, what tests they've had done? What is their fan, we do what we call as a family tree or a pedigree. So we draw out an entire picture of what their family looks like and who has what within the family, which helps us manage them and also kind of decide. Before we had all the knowledge of what genetic testing was and what genes there were, we could look at patterns within families and manage them that way, knowing that they had certain things before we had some of the more concrete diagnoses behind them. But the registry is really, really important because it helps us and helps our coordinators and our team manage these patients. So within some specialized software that we use, we know when people's appointments are due or when they're due for screening, so we get tags to that, and then we could send letters out to those patients or phone calls to those patients that say, you're due for your annual colonoscopy, for example. You're due for this. And they get them all set up so that we can follow these people along from a clinical aspect, so managing them from just a how do we manage this disease and kind of limit cancer risks, that's really, really important. The other big aspect of it is research. So we are the largest center in America who does this, and we kind of all, it also, I think, is important to us or inherent to us to, to learn about this because we have this luxury and privilege to care of all these people to learn from it and teach others what to do. So we use that. We could query the database and pull people back out and find out who had certain diseases and who acted certain ways and why, and then try to figure that out and write about it and make an inference on how we manage these people and then convey that to other people who are taking care of them around the country. So what's on the horizon for future inherited colorectal cancer treatment? Hopefully we'll get more and more personalized, like much things in medicine and much things in cancer, as we learn more about the genes and we learn more about some of the causes of things and also some of the mitigating factors or the other factors that make things worse. We'll be able to put something in and take each individual patient and say, with these risk factors, you should be treated this way. Uh, some of them might be Chemo prevention, meaning drugs that we use, not not chemotherapy, just medicines in general, and maybe stop the polyps from growing. Um, I think surgically, there's not that much different. We're doing minimally invasive surgeries now uh, with all these cases, so that lets people get back to work a little faster and a little less pain, quicker recovery. So I think the big thing is this is a really rapidly changing field because the technology is changing and, and the science behind it is changing rapidly, and we're finding out more and more. So I think it's going to change. What, what we're seeing now will be different a year from now. And even a year after that, it's going to keep changing. So a lot of it's just knowledge-based. Well, congratulations on all the great work you're doing and in continuing the legacy of Dr. Jagelman. And 
Dr. Fazio and Dr. Church and others in leading us forward in the management of hereditary colorectal neoplasia. Matt, since you are a repeat offender here on Butts and Guts, uh, we always wind up with a few quick hitters. We're going to switch things around. So the sport that you like to see in person. Basketball up close is phenomenal. And then what's the worst meal, the food that you're like, I don't like that at all? My wife will kill me, but we had eggplant parmesan the other night, which was absolutely terrible. Okay, and the last book that you've read? Brown's Blues. I'm in the middle of Brown's Blues right now. It talks, talks about the Cleveland Browns, and that's going to change. That's soon going to change. And then finally, just one more thing. What do you like about Cleveland? Love Cleveland. All the things it has to offer. It's a very affordable, great place to live that offers all the things of a big city without a lot of the big city problems. So for more information about the Weiss Center in Inherited Colorectal Cancer, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash Weiss Center. That's W-E-I-S-S. Again, clevelandclinic.org slash Weiss Center. And to schedule an appointment with one of our specialists, please call 216-444-6470. That's 216-444-6470. Matt, thanks for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks a lot. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, Thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.